Let us turn in God's word this morning to Jeremiah chapter 35. Jeremiah 35. We will consider the entirety of this chapter as the text for the sermon this morning. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Maasiah, the son of Shalem, and keeper, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups. And I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed, and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But it came to pass, when Nebuchadnezzar, Kedrezer, king of Babylon, came up into the land, that we said, Come, and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans, and for fear of the army of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearkened not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now, every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them, and ye shall dwell in the land 
which I have given to you and to your fathers, but ye have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people hath not hearkened unto me, therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard, and I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he hath commanded you, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me, forever. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May he bless the reading of the holy scriptures to our hearts. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have finished as of last Sunday, going through the Heidelberg Catechism, and are scheduled again to begin preaching through the Heidelberg Catechism, beginning with Lord's Day 1. The Heidelberg Catechism is a venerated document. It is a document that we as Reformed people have come to love and appreciate. It is a document that sets forth the cardinal truths of the Christian faith with its three sections. The first, how great is my sin and misery. The second, how I might be delivered from my sin and from my misery. And the third, how I might express my gratitude unto God for such a deliverance. It it sets forth in sum the Christian faith. It is a document that is hundreds of years old. It was written in 1563 by Caspar Olivianus and by Zacharias Ursinus, and it was officially adopted into the Reformed tradition in 1618 and 1619 at the Great Synod of Dort. With its theme of comfort, what is thy only comfort in life and in death? With its theme of comfort, it has proved to be a great source of assurance unto the people of God as they go through the many different trials of this life. And yet, for all that, the Heidelberg Catechism remains but a document. It is not a part of the inspired scriptures. It was not given unto us by direct revelation of God. It is not, as the scriptures are, infallible. 
but it is a document that was written by men. Livianus and Ursinus. Understanding that reality, that this document, which we love, in which we all confess to be truth, and yet on the other hand, acknowledging that this is a document that was written by men, we do well to examine at the outset of proceeding through another round of the Heidelberg Catechism why it is that we preach Lord's Day after Lord's Day from this document. To that end, I call your attention this morning to the example of the Rechabites set forth in Jeremiah chapter 35. We'll consider this text under the theme, the house of the Rechabites. First, we'll consider their faithfulness. Second, their purpose. For what purpose does God include the record of this history in the scriptures? And then third, we'll consider their blessing especially as it's given to us in verse 19, that they will not want a man to stand before God forever. For us to understand the faithfulness of the Rechabites, we must understand a little bit of who these people were. Jeremiah the prophet was commanded by God to go and speak unto the house of the Rechabites. Verse 2, go unto the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, that is, into the temple, and take them into the chambers, and give them wine to drink. The Rechabites, we understand, were not originally a part of the nation of Israel. The Rechabites were not offspring of the twelve sons of Jacob. Instead, the scriptures associate the Rechabites with the Kenites. That's 1 Chronicles 2, verse 55, which shows that the Rechabites are a part of the Kenites. The Kenites joined with the Israelites during the wilderness wanderings of the nation of Israel. Evidently, the Rechabites were from the town of Hemath, and the Rechabites joined with Israel in their wanderings and were eventually incorporated into the covenant nation. So that although previously they had been aliens from the commonwealth, God, according to his sovereign control, incorporated them into this covenant nation. Their name, Rechab, means rider or charioteer, which indicates that they were familiar with horses. The father of the Rechabites, according to this text, is an important figure named Jacobet, or rather, Jonadab. Jonadab. The text makes repeated reference unto Jonadab. We read of that in the sixth verse. That they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us. 
Jonadab, who was the father figure of the Rechabites, was a powerful and an influential man. He evidently had influence not over his own home and over his family, but he also had an influence in the nation of Israel. He was so respected by the Israelites that Jonadab was associated closely with the king of Israel. The one king took Jonadab and used Jonadab as his assistant. The king was Jehu. So Jehu and Jonadab worked closely together to fight against false worship. It was especially the worship of Baal that Jonadab and Jehu fought against. Together they strove against false worship in the land of Israel. But now where are we at? The, the text teaches us about the children of Jonadab. So then the question is how much time has elapsed between when Jonadab fought together again with Jehu against Baal worship and the present writing of this text. Well, we know that Jonadab lived during the time of Jehu. We know that Jeremiah lived and wrote during the reign of Jehoiakim. The time between Jehu and Jehoiakim is some 300 years. So there's a greater time that has passed by between Jonadab, the father of this nation, and the present writing of this text, than the entire duration of the United States of America. But what stands out and what is unique about this family were the rules that governed over them. These rules become evident when God sent Jeremiah the prophet to perform a specific work with the Rechabites. God sent Jeremiah the prophet unto their house and commanded these Rechabites to come with him unto the temple. They did so. They willingly came with into the temple and God placed them even in an important place in the temple. They were put in the chamber of the princes there. In this important place, then Jeremiah was commanded to take pots of wine and pour out wine into cups and set these cups of wine before the members of the house of the, house of the Rechabites. And then Jeremiah was instructed to tell the Rechabites to pick up that cup and drink of that wine. Upon doing so, the Rechabites refused. And it's in that context of their polite refusal to drink that wine that was set before them that the rules that this family adhered to are revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. These rules had been set in place long, long ago. The rules that were given unto them were basically these. The first rule is they were not to drink wine. The end of verse 6. Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. 
The second rule that was given unto them, according to the first part of verse 7, is they were not to build a house. This could more literally be translated as you are not to inhabit a house. It's not that they couldn't assist the neighbor in building houses. It's not that the Rechabites could not be carpenters who would instruct homes for others. But the rule that applied specifically to the Rechabites was they were not to dwell in and inhabit a physical home. Instead, they were to dwell in tents. The third rule that was given unto the Rechabites was they were not to be farmers. That comes out in the next phrase of verse 7. Neither shall ye build house nor sow seed, don't plant seeds, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. Now, not that they were to be indolent, wasting away their time, but instead of being farmers, they were to employ their hands in serving other people. And then the final rule of instruction that was given unto the Rechabites was that they were to pass these rules along from one generation unto the next generation. It was not just Jonadab who was to hold to this, these rules, nor simply Jonadab and his children, but going from one generation to the next generation and to the following generation. The sixth verse, verse concludes, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye, nor your sons, forever. There is no end, no limitation of time to the rules that apply to this house of the Rechabites. What stands out about these particular rules, beloved, is that these rules that were given by Father Jonadab to his household are not explicitly taught in the Word of God. It was not as though God, by direct revelation, had appeared unto the Rechabites and given the Rechabites explicit commandment that you are not to drink wine, you are not to live in houses, you're not to be farmers, and you have to pass these rules along from one generation to the next generation. But instead, these were rules that originated from their father, Jonadab. The text is at pains to emphasize this reality that Jonadab was the one who taught his family these particular rules. Verse 6, But they said, We drink no wine. Why? For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us. Again, verse 14, The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons. Verse 16, Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have, com have performed the commandment of their Father, which he commanded them. Over and over, the scriptures make clear that these rules originated from an earthly man. 
What then was Jonadab's motive in giving all of these rules unto his descendants? We must understand here that Jonadab was not a tyrannical individual. Jonadab was not motivated by power. It is not that Jonadab wanted to hold such a tight grip, have such tight reins upon the members of his family that he came up with these rules in order that he might keep his family right next to him and that they might fall in line and perform exactly what he personally wanted of them. Nor is it the case that Jonadab, as he evaluated himself, considered himself to be superior unto the rest of Old Testament Israel. It's not the case that Jonadab or his offspring, the Rechabites, considered themselves to be holier than the rest of the nation, the corporate Israel. It's not that they were proud individuals and the way that they were going to show that they were unique from others is they were going to obey extra commandments that were not explicitly taught in the Word of God. That was not the motive for Jonadab in together these rules that governed his family. But instead, the motive that Jonadab had was the preservation, the spiritual preservation of his descendants. Jonadab recognized that there were certain temptations that could come with drinking wine, dwelling in a permanent home, with the success that came at that day with farming. And lest his offspring be tempted to give themselves over unto carnal, earthly lusts. Jonadab, in wisdom, gave these rules unto his family to guard his children and grandchildren. It was because Jonadab recognized that this earth was not his home, but that the kingdom of God is spiritual, that he gave his children these rules. The text tells us that the descendants of Jonadab were faithful to their father's laws. It's remarkable how faithful they were. For some 300 years, they kept those rules that Jonadab had put in place. If you compare the faithfulness of the Rechabites unto the nation of Israel, it becomes all the more astounding that these Rechabites kept these commandments. Consider that the Rechabites' father, who had given unto them these commandments, was long since dead. In comparison, the Israelites had, according to this text, prophets who brought unto them regularly the word of God. Verse 15, I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, 
rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. Whereas the Israelites had repeated instruction from the law of the Lord, the Rechabites had that one man, Jonadab, who had given them these rules. Another distinction between the two is this, that as we compare the laws that were applied to the Israelites and the laws that were applied to the house of Rechab, the laws that applied to the Rechabites were more rigorous. More was required of the Rechabites than what was required of the members of Old Testament Israel. The Rechabites also had to keep the laws that applied to corporate Israel. But then in addition to that, they had another series of commandments that were given unto them. John Kelvin writes, comparing here the laws of the Israelites and the laws that applied to the Rechabites, quote, God acted equitably and did not press too much upon the Jews so as to make the rigor of the laws odious and wearisome, as then God used moderation in his law to the Jews, so as to require from the people nothing but what was easy to be borne, but Jonadab was rigid and austere, for he forbade the use of wine and did not allow his posterity to cultivate fields nor to dwell in houses. And then a third thing that adds to the remarkable wonder of the fact that the members of the Rechabites kept these laws is this. Consider the context in which they lived. What was going on all around the Rechabites? Apostasy. It's not as if the Rechabites enjoyed the support of corporate Israel and encouraging the Rechabites unto faithfulness. It's not as if Old Testament Israel was keeping God's commandments faithfully as were the Rechabites, and the Rechabites only kept a few extra laws. But the reality is Old Testament Israel in their generations were falling away from the truths of God's word. Jehu had fought so hard against Baal worship, but it came back again and again. While Israel gave themselves unto Baal and unto Ashtaroth, unto the worship of gold and the worship of silver, in distinction there stood steadfast the Rechabite. And so, beloved, now that we understand something here of this, the history of this house of the Rechabites, we must then face the question for purpose. Does God include this in the Holy Scriptures? Why is it that God would send Jeremiah the prophet to bring the Rechabites into the temple just so that the Rechabites could say, no, we're not going to drink wine, because we were taught by our father Jonadab not so to do. Two reasons. First place, God includes this in the scriptures to commend 
the faithfulness of the Rechabites as an enduring example unto the church of all ages. It becomes clear that God brought the Rechabites into the temple in order that God might highlight their history as a positive example of faithfulness unto keeping commandments. The blessing of the Lord rested upon the Rechabites. We'll see that more in the third point. But note now in verse 19, the word of the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. God was the one who provided for the Rechabites. God gave unto them strength to endure from generation to generation. And God blessed them as they kept these commandments that their great, great, great grandfather had given unto them. These laws that Jonadab had given them had this effect. They guarded the family from worldly, worldliness which otherwise so easily creeps into the homes and into the church of Jesus Christ. And so we learn then from the faithfulness of the Rechabites that there are certain, cer certain circumstances where wisdom dictates that we have rules to guide us in our day-to-day -day living. Just as Jonadab established rules for his family, which were not explicitly taught in the Word of God, but at the same time did not deny or reject the law of the Lord. So it is the case that for us as Christians today, there are times, there are certain circumstances where wisdom dictates that we have laws or rules in place which guide our worship services which guide our homes and which guide us as individuals which are not explicitly required of God but at the same time which do not reject or break any of God's commandments. There is wisdom in holding unto catechism preaching. For the catechism preaching sets forth this one great theme of salvation in Jesus Christ. It summarizes faithfully the content of the Holy Scriptures. It grabs a hold of what is the theme of the Scriptures, namely comfort for God's people. It declares that that comfort is found in one person, in Jesus Christ. That's the believer's only comfort in life and in death. And there is wisdom in holding to this reformed document. The church order, which sets forth many, many different rules about how the work of the church is to be carried out, how the worship services are to be conducted, what the duties of the office bearers are, how discipline work is to be carried out, the church order, although the rules found within the church order are not explicit and direct revelation from God, yet they are 
the application of biblical principles to the lives of the members of the church. And so it could well be the case, children, that dad or mom, dad and mom, have rules that apply in the home, and these rules are not explicitly taught in the Word of God. Maybe there's a rule, no cell phone in the bedroom. And the child may respond, well, where is this taught in the Word of God? Dad and mom have the right, with practical wisdom, to apply biblical truths that are found in the Holy Scriptures unto your life. And then not only is it the case that those in authority over us have the right to apply biblical truths, it's also this, beloved, we of our own will ought to apply biblical truths in concrete ways to our lives. Do we fast as Jesus Christ taught? Do we willfully abstain from food for a certain period of time in order that we might give ourselves to prayer and devotion to God? Do we set apart at regular times moments for devotion in God's Word? And one might charge, well, that's legalism. That's setting forth rules that are not explicitly required here. Yet recall there is wisdom and power in the application of biblical principles to the lives of God's people. God used the obedience of the Rechabites for hundreds of years as a means by which they were preserved from evil. That in the first place is the purpose for which the scriptures include this history. But there's a second reason here. And the second reason is as a warning. It warns us about the seriousness of not hearkening unto God's law. God called the Rechabites into the temple and highlighted their example in order to shame the rest of Israel who had not kept the laws of the Lord. There's a sharp contrast that is drawn in this text. The contrast is between the faithfulness of the house of the Rechabites and the infidelity of the nation of Israel. We read of that in verse 12 and 13. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord. And then immediately after that, God goes on to speak again of the example of the Rechabites. And so it was Jeremiah's duty to go unto Old Testament Israel, who was apostatizing 
and warn the Old Testament Israelites, look at this family, look at the Rechabites, how they have honored faithful, God-glorifying traditions for hundreds of years, and where are you, Jerusalem, in comparison? God gave unto you prophets. God gave unto you men who rose up early in order to teach you the laws and the precepts of the Lord. And the Rechabites had but one man, their father, Jonadab. Now what's your excuse, Israel, for why you are not listening unto the laws that God has given you? Israel, you have had laws that are not wearisome or as odious as the laws that have been applied unto the Rechabites. You've been permitted to drink wine. You've been permitted to live in houses. You've been permitted to cultivate the land, to sow seeds in the ground. What is your excuse, Israel, for not keeping the laws of the Lord? Despite all these advantages that were given unto the Israelites, and despite all the calls that were given unto Israel to turn, to repent, and to believe in Jehovah God, there was no change in the nation. They persisted in their rebelliousness and they became ripe for judgment. And so God said in verse 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them. Because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. Israel, presently under the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, very soon hereafter, would be overtaken by the Babylonians. The temple would be looted. The people would be brought to Babel's streams where they sat and wept. God kept his word of judgment to Israel. They would lose their place, their identity, as a distinct, independent, self-governing nation. They would become the plaything of other nations. And so there is then to us this morning a warning and a caution. Simply because God has given unto us material possessions, we must not assume that physical prosperity equates spiritual blessing. Simply because God has given unto us wine to drink, houses to dwell in, land to cultivate, does not mean that in those physical things God is granting unto us His grace and His Holy Spirit. 
We do well to consider our own lives daily with humility and consider whether we have become complacent, lethargic, whether we have lost our spiritual zeal for the things of the kingdom of heaven. Upon the house of the Rechabites, God pronounced a blessing. Verse 19, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. I suppose any number of commandments could have been, or any number of objections could have been lodged against the Rechabites as to why the Rechabites ought not to have a man who would stand before the Lord always. Look at these Rechabites. They're legalistic. Look at these Rechabites. They add laws which are wearisome unto the people to keep. Look at these Rechabites. Maybe they're guilty of works righteousness. Maybe they think that by keeping the laws of Jonadab, their father, they're going to earn the favor and the love of God. Perhaps some would say, look at these Rechabites. They're arrogant and they're proud. They keep extra rules, which has resulted in a distinction between the Rechabites and the rest of Old Testament Israel, or maybe they ought to be charged with the spirit of independentism, for they've separated themselves from the rest of the nation. But that was not God's verdict upon this family. God's word to this family was that they would not want a man to stand before them forever. Not shortly hereafter, Old Testament Israel as a nation would be taken into captivity and lose their place as a distinct nation, and yet God would preserve the Rechabites. This promise is not without confirmation. Nehemiah 3, which records for us the history of the Israelites after they came back from the Babylonian exile, Nehemiah 3, verse 14, speaks of Melchiah, the son of Rechab, who helped build the gates on the walls of the city of Jerusalem. God preserved the lineage of the Rechabites even during the Babylonian exile, so that when they returned, still was that family in its place in corporate Israel. Even as God by his power preserved the Rechabites, so we pray that God will graciously preserve us in our generations. The only way we will be blessed of God is because of the grace of God. Never because of our obedience as though we had made ourselves to differ. We are by nature like Old Testament Israel, those who are born corporately into 
the covenant community, those who are baptized to receive the outward sign that we belong unto the covenant of God. And yet by nature, we are like Israel who daily falls away from the truths of God's word. Our only hope is in the grace of God, which points us unto our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who kept all of the commandments of his Father. Jesus, who observed the will of his Father even when nobody else supported him in that obedience. Even when the learned scribes of Jerusalem and the Pharisees had fallen away, even when his own disciples abandoned him, Jesus stood steadfast in keeping the will of his Father. He was obedient even unto death. May God use then the means of grace given to us to preserve us in our faith in Jesus Christ. May he use the Heidelberg Catechism preaching to point us to our only comfort in life and in death. And may we continue using this God-honoring confession of the Catechism to set before us the truths of God's Word. Thanks be to God for the example of the house of the Rechabites. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, how great thou art and greatly to be praised. We thank thee for thy gracious preservation of thy people from one generation to the next. Wilt thou give to us wisdom that we might not be holistic, that we might not fall into the trap of Pharisaism, and on the other hand, Father, wilt thou guard us from worldliness. May we submit to the biblical truths of thy word as they apply to our lives. Thou forgive graciously our sins. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.